0: 1 Timothy six, eleven. When I was seven years old, I used to have a friend who lived in Val Vista. His name was Lee. Not sure why I let you know his name, but his name was Lee. Anyway, <laughs> and uh, we thought it would be fun to go throw oranges at cars one day, and uh, so we climbed a tree in Val Vista, which there used to be tons of apple orange trees out there. Right now, there's some, and and then. We thought, and we were young and little, right? And and so we decided, and this is, I'm confessing my sins right now, so forgive me. Hope none of you hate me, okay? We did. We took oranges and we were throwing them at people. We were hiding in trees. And I'll never forget, one came really close to hitting somebody and... And they pulled over. My friend Lee, we were in a tree. I don't even remember how tall the tree was, but he just like fell when he heard those screeching tires. And I heard him hit branches. Crazy. What little kids, what we do as little kids, right? How many of us have ever made that kind of mistake? We ran. Even though my friend was hurting and he fell to the ground and he was hard, trying to catch his breath. We ran like heck. We ran. And how many of us, if we're honest, because we're in church this morning, ever did something like that, and we don't have to speak it out loud, when you're little that you ran from, because you did something you weren't supposed to do. And this morning, spiritually, see, we all run. We all run. And I, see... If, if we can, we all see with our physical eyes and as we look at each other, we're, we're all in good shape this morning, right? We're all in good shape. We're all healthy and fit. We're, running, we're ready to do the Ironman competition. But if you were to see yourself in the spirit, wow, man, even buffer, like even stronger. Because see, spiritually, we run from so many things. We run from so many different things. And like a kid, when, when I was running, I was running because I thought I was in trouble. There's times we run from God because we think we're in trouble. When, when God, to be in his presence, it is the safest place to be. To be in God's arms, it is the most wonderful, graceful, forgiving places that we can be. And so this morning as we open with our opening text, 1 Timothy 6.11, it says, Timothy, you're a man of God. Run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness, a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well in front of so many witnesses. How many of us have ever got a text, a card in the mail, and like my last, no, 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 it was Father's Day. My last Father's Day, my kids made me some homemade cards, and I will never forget, I had a few daughters, I have three daughters, so all three of them wrote me the three sweetest cards that I've ever had in my whole entire life. Now, the three cards that I got from my three daughters, they weren't, you know, 20 pages long. There was a few paragraphs in that, in that card. But what was said in those few short paragraphs, man, it, it meant so much to me, what my sweet daughters said to me on Father's Day this year. What Paul says to Timothy we have here a couple sentences, right? And what Paul says to Timothy in these short sentences, there's so many different things that he says. There's so many great things. This has been our theme, fight the good fight. And the first things that he says to Timothy, is, says, run from evil, run from evil. Now, if we do something wrong, like throwing an orange at a car, is that person evil if he wants to come and, and let us know that wasn't a nice thing to do? That's not the evil we're talking about this morning. Running from evil. There is evil all around. Everywhere we go, everything that we do, evil is everywhere, right? Evil is everywhere. And so Paul felt the need to tell Timothy, you have to run and keep running from evil. Don't run from nice people. Don't run away from here. Don't run away from there. But run from evil. It's everywhere. And secondly, he said to Timothy, pursue right living. Now, when I was a teenager, not that long ago, there were so many things that I felt like I needed to do as a kid, right? And and many of those things could be questionable as right living. As many of us in this room, we made so many choices about life that could be questionable. Is this really right living? The day that I gave my life to God when I fully surrendered at 19. And many of you knew, I grew up in the church, and grew up in the church. My parents were wonderful. They dragged me to church three, four times a week. They dragged me. They dragged me. They were so mean, but they dragged me to church three, four times a week. And if you want to know who it was, it's that big meanie in the back row back there. His name's my dad. He did it to me, right? But I never really believed, even though I was dragged to church. And there was some time that I spent away from church that I didn't like church, I didn't like God. And when I gave my life to God completely, I realized, you know, it takes giving everything. And when I fully gave God everything, I automatically, my life completely changed. And you didn't have to ask me to do something right, there was something inside of me automatically urging driving me to do the right things and so paul's he says to timothy pursue right living there are many things that we do with our own effort and it's all in vain there's so many good things that we do good for people and sometimes it's all in vain because we get burnt out because we struggle we go here we go there if your life is completely surrendered to him right living will just pop out of nowhere It will. He says to Timothy, pursue right living. And then he says four words that I love. He says, pursue faith. And this is going to be one of our main words today, so I'm going to get back to that. Secondly, he says, pursue love. And many of us understand love, if we think about love for a second, this is one of the most powerful things in the whole entire world. Look what people have done in the name of love. How many wars? How many fights? How many marriages? right how many divorces unfortunately how many good and bad things have happened in our world because of love right how many things and so we as people understanding that there's a confusion about love love is not what i get but love is what i give for god gave his son right for God so loved the world that he what he gave and so many of us there's a misinterpretation interpretation of love because it's about what I get love is not about what we get love is only about what we give and so as Paul says to Timothy pursue faith pursue love we're not talking about just any kind of love it's not backseat kind of love it's not radio kind of love when paul says to timothy pursue love he's talking about a sacrificial serving kind of love the kind of love that comes from above and when we embrace god's love that is the only way we're able truly to have a healthy relationship is when we embrace the love of God, and when we embrace God's love, then we learn to love like God loves. And then he says to Timothy, perseverance. Why would he have to say to Timothy, you have to fight to persevere? You need to learn to persevere, because come on, as humans, how many of us know we give up way too easy? When the going gets tough, what do we do? We don't get going, we we get backing up. When the going gets tough, most of us, it's not, I'm in a full pursuit. I'm not going to keep on going. Perseverance as a Christian is one of the greatest things we need because as people, as humans, man, we give up so easy and we can be so inconsistent. So Paul says to Timothy, fight for faith, fight for love, fight to be someone who perseveres. And lastly, you got to love this fight to be gentle fight to be gentle now one of my customers um, he calls me a shark because when it comes to business i'm very greedy about the customers i have and so i sell food. It's my day job right and so when i'm out selling food if you're my customer in my mind if you buy it i want everything right? And I don't want you to have to buy from anybody else. And so this customer, and I've had this customer off and on for a few, quite a few years. But um, one time he was talking to the competitor and they asked, what did, what, what did this customer like about him? He says, he's a shark. If you're open for your customer, I think I deserve that business right and i want to work hard for that business right just like shark it's shark week shark month right now so if you're into sharks you can watch that on tv and you can see people getting mutilated by sharks if you're into that kind of thing sometimes in life it's good to learn how to be a shark when there's certain things that we need to do and certain things that we need to get done but when it comes to being a christian one of the things that paul says we have to fight to be gentle and I think all of us could struggle with this one, because how many of us have ever got a little frustrated, and raised our voice? You know, sometimes when me and my wife have a disagreement, if I think in my mind that my wife's tones changed, then I immediately change my tone, right? And it's that little shark in me wants to come out again and start biting, right? Is that being gentle? absolutely not thank god that we're married 26 years right it's a lot of shark bites and my wife is still alive thank god but how many of us know it's a fight to be gentle and are we truly gentle one with the people who are directly in our life are we gentle with them like a glass jar that is, that is beautiful and, and, you know, precious that should be held and holds precious things. Do you hold gently the people that God puts in your life? Do we hold gentle the strangers that are in our life? Because I'll tell you, there are times, and just being honest again, that I've been a little mean to my wife when I shouldn't have been. And how many of us, when we're driving and we're in a hurry, we have the urge to not be so gentle anymore, Right? running red lights and and waving at people with one finger when we're driving down the road and they're in our way and it's taking too much time i'm not saying i did this i'm just saying i've seen this happen before right and it has been done to me but the truth of the matter is as christians this is one of the greatest examples we can be as gentle And letting the gentleness of God be seen everywhere we go and everything that we do so that we may be the example in our faith, in our love, in perseverance, in our gentleness. Gentle. Not a shark. Not being biting. Right, Sam? Fighting the good fight. Fighting for what's right. Fighting for what matters most. You're out of here, huh? Let's see how you are. He had, check on the cat. he had to check on the kitty again? Yeah, make sure that cat doesn't come get us, okay? Okay. <laughs> Love you too, Sam. After Paul says, fight the good fight, you know what he says next? He says, hold tight to eternal life. So one of the things he said is, fight to be gentle Fight to persevere, fight to believe, fight to love. But then he says, fight to hold on to eternity. Why is it such a fight for eternity? Because we live in the playground of life. We live in this world, that's this playground. And how many of us know it is so distracting? There's so many things today. Kim and I were driving around yesterday and... We're at the beach and it was like 65 degrees and just perfect. You almost, almost needed a sweater. And then we got back to Hemet at four and it's 103. And we're like, whoever invented the AC, they are a wonderful person, (laughs) a wonderful person. Bless that person, God, bless them, bless them and their family. But how many of us have seen that, you know what, life is so, it's such a distraction. And so Paul says, you have to fight to hold on to eternity because it's such a fight to play with what we see. We have such a fight inside of us for what we see, man. We want to have so much fun. We want to do so many things. We're so curious inside of us. And, and we used to say curiosity kills a cat. It sure does. It's killed a lot of us, right? We made a lot of mistakes being curious hold tight through eternal life because truthfully at the end of the day it's not about what we do here but it's about where we're headed it's about where we're headed paul goes on first corinthians if you have your bibles we're going to go to first corinthians nine twenty four, and he says don't you realize in a race everyone runs but only one person gets the prize so run to win see now paul wrote this a while ago because Paul didn't know that today there's many sports and athletics that it's not about the winner it's about tying we all win right everybody gets a trophy then it wasn't like that but when he wrote this first Corinthians 9 24, don't you realize in a race everyone runs only one person gets surprised so run to win Athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Verse 26. So he says, I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what I should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might be disqualified. Paul says, listen. In a race, everyone runs. And in this life, everyone lives, but not everybody's alive. And so as Paul's making this comparison with sports, athletics, life, spirituality, fighting the good fight, running the race, we're all running. Every single one of us on this planet is running. And some people were running in so many different directions. Some people are running into each other. Some people, it is crazy and chaotic how people run today. Paul says, but in this race, everybody runs, but not everybody's going to make it. All of us were born and given the opportunity to be alive, but not everybody gets to live. Not everybody gets to live. He says, there's, in this race, there's one, win, one winner, and so you should run to win. Not, not, you shouldn't just run to try. Am I going to try to be a runner? Am I going to try by jogging? am i going to give this a shot and so he's talking about being a christian He's saying, listen if you're going to decide to give your life to jesus decide to run to win i'm in this to win it baby i'm in it to make it i'm not in it just to give jesus a little try i'm just going to put on a little Jesus today, I'm going to get a little of this and a good little of that. Paul says, listen, fight the good fight. You have to decide, am I here to run to win? Am I here to give everything I have to win this thing? I'm not here just to get a, a trophy and tie with somebody. I'm going to give this my all, to give everything. And he said, I do this because I discipline my body. Paul says, I beat my body into shape learning to do things consistently, learning to do things all the time, the things are gonna help me win in this life. And you know why he said that? He goes, because I'm afraid, I'm afraid. After I preach, what if I become disqualified? And his fear in his heart was, he knows it's easy to slip it's easy to make a wrong choice. And so he said, that's why I have to beat discipline and train my body because I don't wanna do something that's gonna disqualify me from this race. I wanna keep pushing hard all the way, pedal down to the floor, all the way until I hit the very, very end. You know, my title this morning as we've been fighting the good fight. It's called fighting to thrive. And how many of us know that if, if you were to wake up every single morning, which all of us get that privilege of doing, we have two choices. Is it survival mode today or is it thrival mode today? Survival, am I just trying to get through another day? Am I trying to get through another week? Am I trying to make it to my next day? check, right? How many of us know that many of us, with the 7 billion plus people in this world, how many are living for survival? i just going to survive the next 30 minutes. You know, sometimes, you know, we have to spend time with certain people we don't like, and so our mind goes into survival. If I can just survive the next 20 minutes, I'm going to be Okay. <laughs> I don't like that person over there. And if I gotta hang out with them, I just gotta survive. I just gotta make it, I just gotta survive. And so how many of us from a very young age, we have been trained with the survival mode? When somebody comes at us and they are using words that are like spears and daggers, we go into the survival mode, mode and we're ready, right? And we put up the shields and we grab our own spear and we start attacking back. We, from a very young age, we have been taught and trained to live a survival kind of life. Survive. If I can just survive. The challenge is life is too short. Life is too short to just say, I need to make it one more day. I need to make it one more day. I need to make it one more hour. If I can just get through this next hour at work, I will be okay. Really? How many of us have ever said, I just got to make it the next 30 minutes, one more hour? It's like, you've done it every day. I bet you're going to do it again. But in our brain, we tell ourselves, if I can just survive the next. And so we're, we're in this circle of survival mode. The problem is we carry that into every single thing that we do. We carry that into our marriages. We carry that into relationships. We carry that into our job. We carry that into church. We carry that into our Christian spiritual walk. I'm just trying to survive. And the question I have, and I think God has, is that, is that what he made us to do, is just survive? Or did God say, Jesus said, I came one of my, my main purpose in coming here is to give you life. And when he said in John 10, 10, it's just not any life, he said a full, super abundant life. And so why is it that we're so trained to survive when God made us to thrive? When God made us to thrive. All of that was my intro to preach for the next hour and our main text, which is Hebrew. And so if you have your Bibles, we're gonna to go to Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse one. Paul says the fight the good fight for the true faith. Faith is believing in what you hope for. Some of us this morning, we're thinking, I hope he ends in the next 15 minutes. Ain't gonna happen. You can hope all you want, right? But that is a belief that some may have this morning. Faith is what we hope for. Faith is whom or what we believe in. And Paul says you have to fight for the true faith. So you can fight to hold on to faith that says, I hope John keeps it short today. I'm only short during football season. When football season starts, we'll go a little quicker, right? But football ain't started yet. So that means I get to preach longer. (laughs) Hallelujah. Paul says, fight the good fight for true faith, whom and what we believe in. And so the writer of Hebrews 11, he says this, 1-1. faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's a definition. It's the evidence of things that we can't see. Through faith, people in the days of old Older people earned a good reputation because of faith. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, not by evolution, not by two worlds colliding. It says, by faith, we understand the entire universe was formed by God's command so that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. And then we, ver- we skipped to verse 6. And it says it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely, sincerely seek him. Our life is a reflection of of what we believe in every single day everywhere we go the people that we are the men the women the strong everything that is inside of us we are an absolute reflection of what we believe where we shop where we spend our money how we eat it is a reflection everything in life it's a reflection of our faith of what we do who we believe in and what we believe and it says faith it's what you hope for but there's also evidence If someone hurt one of our family members, if someone hurt somebody that we love very dearly, we would hope and pray that there's enough evidence to convict that person. As a believer this morning, as Paul says, fight the good fight. Fight for the true faith. There's a reflection, but there should be evidence of what we believe. Evidence. Trails. Just like if we were to go into the the deep jungle and there's no road in, no road out, how many of us would leave a little trail saying, here's my, my honey nut cherry trail that's gonna get me in and it's gonna get me out, right? There's a trail, so many of us, we, live, we leave a trail where we have been. Everywhere that we go and everything that we do, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, we have left a trail. What's the evidence of the trail that you left? What are the things that reflect everywhere we go and everything that we do? And so Paul says, well, it's not specifically Paul, the writer of Hebrews, many things Paul, that's a different story, right? But the writer says, people earned a reputation based on their faith, the reputation. All of us in here, I think we're all popular, super cool people, right? I think all of us in here this morning were awesome and amazing, and we have such a beautiful reputation everywhere we go, everything that we do. People respect us, they revere us, they think we're the Hemet's best, right? We are the best of best, Hemet San Jacinto and Val Vista. Paul says, the writer says, these people earned a reputation not because of who they were, what they did. It's the faith in God that they have, the reputation that they earned because they believed in God. And they believed. They believed. Turn to your neighbor and say, they believed. And because they believed, the writer goes through and lists some of the things that they did. And he goes, before he says that, he says, God rewards those who earnestly seek him. No matter what we say and do, we all like to be rewarded. If you go to work and you put the time in, you get rewarded by getting a paycheck. And we appreciate the paycheck. We always wish it's more. Always wish that our boss would give us more. And we appreciate that. There's a reward and it's not really a reward because you put in work, right? But you enjoy getting that money put in your bank. You enjoy then being able to pay bills because you got paid. God rewards those who earnestly seek him, earnestly seek him, sincerely seek him. And so as the writer goes on in Hebrews, he talks about first and he talks about Abel. Here in the, the very beginning, there's a man named Abel who said, God, I'm living to give you my best. How did he know that? Was he taught? Was he trained? He knew from the very beginning. This is the beginning of time. I want to give God my best. I wake up every day and I want to give God my best. I want to offer my best. I give God my best. Not my grouchiness, not my bad attitude, not my bad moments. I'm going to give God my best. God who created the world. God who created me. God who created my parents, even though they're wacky at times. God who gave me a brother who was really wacky, right? We know his brother was wacky because his brother whacked him. Cain. But he says, I'm gonna give God my best. And so as we start to go through these people, we start making mental notes of what they did, the evidence of their faith. And so the very first person we look at, the evidence was he offered God his best. And then we have to ask ourselves, is that what I do? Do I give God my best? And then it goes on to Hebrews 11 verse seven, and it says, Noah, which we just talked about a few weeks back, but Noah saved his family because he built a boat. It took 100 years, 100 years to build something, but in spending that time 100 years to build a boat, his family was saved from the flood. Now, did Noah build that boat for himself? I don't know, because how many of us would spend 100 years doing anything? How many of us would would really gather the wood, and spend so much time and energy just to build a boat for ourselves. As some of us would, right? Some of us are kind of selfish people, and yeah, we do a lot of things for ourselves, right? Noah built his boat Wyatt, to preserve his family line. One of the greatest things that Noah did is he built something that would preserve his family line. My family, the name that was given to me, I'm here as a representative. The name that was given to me, whether we like our name or not, the name that was given to me, the life, the reflection of my story is here to preserve. Whatever God gives to me, it is to preserve for the next generation. Our next generation of kids, they are extremely important. Every young person on this planet, there is such a fight for the young people of this world. There is such a fight. You know what I love about us as people? We can turn on the news, and we can watch tragedy, and oh, man, somebody died today. Man, there was a house that got burnt, and that's horrible. Oh, man, there's kids being sold as slaves. Kids dying of starvation. And then 10 seconds later, you got my Big Mac? I'm hungry. We are so fickle as people. We can be moved by tragedy in one second. And then two seconds later, we're ready to rip somebody's head off. And then two seconds later, okay, what's for dinner, babe? The generation of young people, there is such a fight for them. And we can talk about it. We can talk for our kids, for our grandkids, for our family's kids. You know, sometimes we look at other people's kids and we're like, thank God they're not mine, right? But honestly, this morning, talk is cheap. And this is the time and generation where we can talk about the next generation all we want until we're willing to do something about it. And we maybe need to step up our game when it comes to the next generation, because remember, people are spending millions and billions of dollars to brainwash our kids. They're spending lots of money. So let's start putting our our money and our energy, let's start start putting things into action. Noah built something, took a hundred years. Why? Preserve his family line. What are you doing to preserve your family line? The godliness the life, and following after God, and doing what's right, and to pursue faith, love, perseverance, gentleness, what are we doing to build something that will preserve what God has put us here for, God didn't just put us here to, you know, get married, and have kids, and have a house, and have a car, and do this, and do that, which that's many of us, we spend our life on good things, and it's good, but life is far more than that. Life is far more than that. And what have we done to build something spiritually that is preserving what God gave to me, what God gives to you, what God gives to our family? What are we doing to build and preserve the things that God put us here for? Every one of us here this morning, God, there is a specific purpose. There is a specific plan for your life. There is something very specific that God has given to you to be a part of, to do, to build to preserve. Noah built the boat. Keep moving on. 11 chapter, Hebrews 11 chapter, 11 chapter, 8 verse, and that says, By faith, Abraham obeyed God when he called him to leave home and go to another land. That God would give him as his inheritance. He went out, he went without knowing where he was going. We saw Abraham We talked about Abel. We talked about Noah. We talked about Abraham. He followed God having no idea where he was going. God, Jesus, when Jesus was here, what did he say? Deny your cross and what? Follow me. Abraham, a few thousand years before that, what did Abraham do? He followed after the voice of God, not knowing where he was going. What does God need us to learn how to do? To follow after we grew up playing follow the leader, right? Follow the leader, follow that person. No, 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 no. Don't follow any person, follow God. Whatever God is saying, whatever God is doing, the direction that God gives you. Just like Abraham, he followed after. <clears throat> Here's a good one, Hebrews 11:11. 11, 11. It was by faith that Sarah was able to have a child though she was barren and was too old. Sarah had a child when she was 90. Can you imagine? For any of us to live to 90, one, that's a miracle today, right? And then secondly, to get pregnant at 90? Wow. Oh my gosh. And think about this for this woman for a second. You're past a lot of things at 90. God told them for years, you're going to have a son. To believe and have faith that everything's going to be okay. I mean, who knows what could happen at 90 delivering a baby, right? Going through the whole entire process, caring, holding, delivering. And so for Sarah, in this story, she had faith. And she complained at times, as any of us would at 90. And she had a hard time with what maybe God was asking her to do. Right? But she believed that God would give her her son. She would believe that God was going to give to her, her own son, a promise. And she waited 90 years for this promise. Sarah believed, 1123, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him from three months when he was born. They saw that God had given an unusual child. Just like many parents think at times, God has given me an unusual child. And one of the things I want to point out by this story, Hebrews 1123, it starts by labeling each person that says, it was by their faith they did this. It was by their faith they did this. By their faith they did this. By faith, Moses' parents hid Moses. Because they were in a time where Pharaoh was killing all the boys in the land and so as a parent it says that they had an unusual child he was special he was unique what did they do they hid him they preserved his life because they knew what God was gonna do they knew God was gonna do something and as a parent that's what we should be teaching and training every one of our kids. There are things that we have to hide from our kids, right, at, at different times. But teaching and training our kids that God has something great specific. Just like Moses went on to lead the people of Israel. It's our job to teach our kids the great things that God wants to use them for. And that's what Moses' parents did. They hid him, and then they helped him get adopted into Pharaoh's family. Because they wanted to see his life preserved. Hebrews 11, 33. By faith, people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. They received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and they put whole armies to flight. Our last verses, 36 and 37. So, some were jeered at, their backs were cut open with whips, other people were chained in prisons, some did die by stoning, some were sawed in half, others were killed with a sword, and some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed, and mistreated. And so as we read all these, these stories about people in the Old Testament and some of the New Testaments as it is referenced there, we see that everyone had a story Everyone fought the good fight of faith, and it listed, it was by their faith that these people did these things, and that's their legacy. What was written here, it's done, right? Their life and their story, it's over, it's done. They lived through it. They survived, they thrived, they did all kinds of things. They made mistakes, but at the end of the day, it was their faith that was their legacy it was what and whom they believed in they believed in god they couldn't see god but they believed in god they followed after god they built for god they heard god's voice and they listened to god and they obeyed and so they fought and so this morning as we talk about that's their story the question this morning is what's your story question is what's your story and how will your story end How will your story end? We have no idea if we have 5, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years left. But what will be your legacy? What will be the reputation that you leave behind? What will people say about you at your funeral? What are the things? These are the things that we just read through in the legacy of those people. And we're, listen, all of us in here, we are young and youthful this morning. We are young, we're energetic. We gotta keep telling ourselves that. We're young, we're energetic. And it doesn't matter, honestly. We can look back at our mistakes and we can talk about those, but I think it's time to move past some of the things of the past and say, this is the rest of my life. As Paul was speaking to Timothy, he says, You have to fight hard, the good fight, for true faith, for true love, to persevere while being gentle. Hold tight to eternity because the world's a big playground and we get easily distracted. So hold tight by faith. Fight hard for faith. Fight hard. And so if we look at, you know, the life of faith that we lived up to this point, can we ask ourselves, am I in survival mode in this life? Am I just trying to survive? Got to make it through the next five minutes of this service. Am I just trying to survive to lunch when I can feel my tummy? Am I just trying to survive in this job? am i just trying to survive with these people over here am i just trying to survive the next 20 minutes sanity sanity until peace comes until peace comes until the air conditioning kicks in and ah everything will be perfect am i just trying to survive or can we say honestly this morning that we're fighting we're fighting to thrive we're fighting to live the thrival kind of life that God gives that God wants he created us with purpose he created us to have a great story to leave a great legacy to leave behind just all the people that we talked about in there and we didn't mention all the other people the hundreds of people who did great things in the in this Bible they're they're an example to us the reputation living the life of faith God's called us just like he called them this morning. We're here. We're awake. We're alive. We're breathing. Pinch yourself. Now it's time to do something different. How many of us have ever heard the definition of insanity? Wanting change, but doing the same thing over and over, over and over again. When Paul said, fight the good fight for the true faith, it's learning how If I'm not getting the results that I need to have as a Christian, and if God's not getting the results out of me, why do I keep living in that circle survival kind of life over and over and over again? The Israelites, they were afraid to take the promised land, so they circled for 40 years in the wilderness. And many of us this morning were circling in a lot of different areas of life, We're circling, thinking what's next. We're circling, looking for purpose. We're looking for happiness and joy and peace and healing. And so this circle, just trying to survive. Just trying to survive. When God says, I don't want you to survive. I need you to thrive. I need you to thrive. Time to leave a legacy. Time to be different. Time to stand up and be a little more vocal. Be the strong person that God made you to be. Be that person, that man, that woman that God created you to be. It is time. Because if we waste any more time, man, it's gonna be over. It's gonna be over. One of our opening verses, Paul said, First Corinthians. I'm gonna run, and I'm gonna run to win. And how many of us, if we're honest this morning, we wanna win. If I'm gonna compete, I wanna win, right? If you and I are in competition, I wanna beat you up because I wanna win, right? It's just how we are. But you know where we start to see some growth and maturity? When it's not about my success, it's not about me winning, when the focus is, I'm here to help you win. I want to see you win. Where do, we, when, where do we start living a thrival kind of life is when we start wanting others to win just as we want to win bad for ourselves. The person who's next to you, do you push and inspire them for that faith, for that legacy in our households? and. None of us in here this morning, we're perfect, we're we're not perfect, right? We make mistakes, we say things, we do things, okay? We're all distracted in the playground, so we can get busy, and we can let days, hours, and weeks skip without doing what God's put us here to do. But we don't need to talk about any of that junk. Let's just talk about this moment. You are a winner this morning. God built you to win. God made you to win. But in winning, he said, help the person next to you win. Help the person next to you win. Help the people in your life. Help them win. And when you start being more devoted to seeing other people win, then you start maturing, persevering, learning how to love, have that faith, and being gentle. Fighting the good fight this morning. Because I'm fighting. I'm fighting to thrive. You have to fight to thrive. I'm not here to survive. I want to thrive. Let's pray.